Hello, and welcome to today's VJ Humong podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. This podcast series will feature selected sessions from the fourth international workshop on acute leukemias, which was held in Nice, France. In this session, you will hear from experts Richard Stone, David Salmon, and Thomas Clouseau, who discuss novel targets, combinations, and treatment strategies in acute myeloid leukemia. Hello, my name is Richard Stone. Uh, I'm from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm here at the IWAL meeting at, in beautiful Nice, France, uh, with my colleagues, Dr. David Salmon from the H. Lee Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa and Dr. Thomas Clouseau, uh, who works right here in Nice. So we just came from a session where we discussed uh, potential next blockbuster therapies in AML, and we had uh, a lot of discussion about one of the more difficult topics in AML, which is how to make strides in the very difficult subtype of P53 mutant AML. And we heard a couple about a couple of drugs in this regard, namely eptenoprop and magrolimab, which are drugs in classes of refolding agents and anti-CD47 agents, respectively. So I'll start with Dr. Clouseau and ask uh, what your impression of the development of the P53 refolding agents is. So uh, thank you for the for the question. So uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's complicated for the for the apronetapot. As you know, uh, um, we we performed two phase two study with uh, David, uh, one in US and one in France, and we combined the results. Uh, the results uh, were really promising, uh, based uh, on the combined results with a long follow up. Uh, we uh, we uh, we observe an overall. Uh, response rate uh, around 70 percent and uh, a median overall survival at 12 months and uh, for some of patients could obtain it was it was a small population of course uh, but for some patients could obtain a deep CR before allo stem cell transplantation the median overall survival is not rich so maybe some patients uh, could be cure. Uh, we, we don't know, but uh, could be cure uh, using this drug. But as you know, uh, in the MDS setting, the phase three clinical trial was negative. Uh, so there is some VA we could discuss about uh, uh, about this uh, this clinical trial. But uh, uh, but we don't know uh, where we will go with uh, with this drug in the future. Uh, there is a phase one study uh, combining azacitidine plus venetoclax plus eprenetapopt uh, with uh, also uh, some promising results with a high response rate and with a median overall survival around nine months uh, in uh, TP53 EML uh, patient. Uh, so uh, it seems to be um, a really interesting drug uh, in this setting. Maybe what we learn about epronetapopt is the mechanism of action. So as you said, uh, the, um, uh, this is a reconfirming agent, uh, but it, it's not only uh, the the uh, the, me uh, the mechanism. It's not only the unique mechanism of action. There is other mechanism of action. Uh, um, 
the drug induces oxidative stress, the drug induces ferroptosis, and maybe it's also what we learn about this drug. Maybe we know now, now some pathway to target TP53 mutated uh, patient. David uh, Salman, do you think that? Uh, well, how can first? How can you explain the relatively high response rates did not translate into? A, a positive phase three trial, as best we know. I mean, the, 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 what we know is that the yep. uh, ASA plus or minus epirinopop study was, yep. quote, a negative study. Yep. We only heard about that in a press release. Sure. Do you have some further comments as to why it might not be uh, moving forward? Yeah, hopefully, I mean, and really the world needs sort of the you know, full mature data set. This is the first, you know, prospective phase three, you know, trial. And I think just to, actually a lot of the discussion afterwards for, you know, from Mark Lewis and, and others and, and Amir Zidane is that we really do need to focus our efforts specifically on this population and, and really take out from both MDS and AML cohorts this group so that we can really move the, move the field forward. I think, you know, based on the press release, you know, p-value 0.13, you know, probably three, four more patients, and then we have a positive positive, uh, you know, phase three trial. I think, you know, open label study, I think in retrospect was probably the wrong action. And, and I, my concern is, was there, you know, uh, you know, a disparate number of patients, you know, leaving the control arm because they they knew they could get venetoclax. And I think actually around the time of the study, it wasn't as clear as of now, you know, it does, you know, HMA venetoclax improve or not improve outcomes. So I think with a relatively, un, you know, borderline powered study is 150 patients, you know, did we lose more patients in the control and also did patients you know, treat treat differently. In the phase two studies that we presented, actually, you know, essentially one patient had a dose reduction of azacitidine. Was there different, you know, hold drug holding dose reductions of aza somewhat from the aza venetoclax experience? And could that have dropped our you know, CR rate, which was sort of in the low 40s, you know, down to the 33%? Um, also, the control arm did uh, you know, behave better you know, than, than what we hypothesized. Um, similar to, you, know, you could argue, in the pevanetostat trial, again, MDS study, but you know, nobody could beat a CR rate of 30-something percent, you know, which was reported. So I think there's a little bit of challenges in design, maybe a little bit of underpowering. My hope is, at least in the, you know, in the phase three, you know, you know, you know, magra studies, which we'll talk about, is there, you know, 500 patient double-blind placebo-controlled studies, and that that may, you know, solve at least, you know, some of the issues that we had in the in the APR experience. I think, the, you know, one other study is, you know, um, you know, Dr. Misha at my institution published the post-transplant maintenance study uh, in, in JCO recently, and actually the one-year, two-year overall survivals were, were, were quite remarkable. Now, is it that we captured a group of patients that had that optimal clearance, cytogenetic remission, and grafted, no G, you know, GVHD, and we get them on maintenance. That's actually what I do off study, you know, all the time. And was it truly the combination or not? I'd love for that to go into a randomized, you know, you know, you know, CTN study, but you know, you know, whether or not that can happen based on, you know, company bandwidth is, is a question. Do you think, Dr. Clouseau, that complete remission rate is the right endpoint for P53 uh, studies in P53 mutant patients, given that the, the remissions may not be uh, Deep or durable, even if the, even if that trial had met its CR rate yeah. endpoint, would it have been used? Would it have been important? Would it have been important? So uh, yeah, so may maybe uh, maybe a complete remission uh, is not the the best primary endpoint for TP53 because uh, as we uh, as we know, uh, for example, for azacitidine plus venetoclax, there is a there is a significant increase of uh, complete remission rate, uh, but uh, there is no benefit in overall survival at the so uh, for for this uh, very poor uh, patient, I think the the overall survival is uh, the the best primary endpoint. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, actually, have we how we had originally written even the phase two studies was an OS endpoint. I think based on early phase one data and sort of you know speed, you know, often needed in in, in, in industry trials, it, it sort of switched to that uh, to that CR endpoint. But yeah, I completely agree that CR is in a, almost an irrelevant endpoint. I do think true CR with molecular clearance, those patients, you know, overall do have uh, you know better outcomes. But given the OS is so short, like that clearly needs to be it. And that's you know both the endpoint and the pivotal. Um, Magrolimab is a side eating P53 AML study that we discussed a little bit, the Enhanced 2 trial. But even in you know Mylomatch, you know we I think you know we're, we're appreciating that, and really the endpoint in the, the sort of randomized phase two trial is also OS. So I think we now know OS is the key. Um, you know, can we have early predictors such as you know VAF clearance? I think those are interesting questions to look at. So let's indeed segue on to Magrolimab, which is certainly the most favored nation now for P53 mutant patients, due to the results uh, that you have presented. Uh, several times. So, Dr. Solomon, could you briefly review how uh, magrolimab and other CD47 anti-CD47 antibodies are supposed to work sure. and what the developmental pathway is for this, uh, this drug? Yeah, so our, sort of the basic concept is that um, cancer cells, one of their ways to avoid the innate immune system in, in macrophages is through overexpression of, of CD47. This is actually not specific to AML in, in MDS patients, but it's actually seen you know, throughout cancer. Many solid tumor models have, have similarly shown that. And they at the same time have this upregulation of pro signals. This is sort of maybe you know, a defense mechanism that should lead to clearance of the cancer cells, but again, because of CD47 at the same time, um, it, it's abrogated. So essentially, any inhibitor of the CD47 SERP alpha access, SERP alpha being expressed on the macrophages, can block this. And if there is a pro signal, allow for um, antibody-dependent cellular phagocytosis to occur. Um, I think what's really relevant at the same time is it, it's not effective enough, even though in preclinical models, monotherapy at activity and clinical studies, single agent essentially has no you know, complete remissions. And so thus, you need to add it to agents that can ideally induce a prophagocytic signal, azacitidine being shown to do that with calreticulin. Um, we talked a little bit about triplet combinations where venetoclax azacitidine actually can further uh, lead to that upregulation. But essentially, you get this you know, combination, this block of, of, AD, uh, of, of phagocytosis, this allowing of, to eat the cancer cell, and then you get this synergy. I do think, is this truly the main mechanism? Are there, is it LSC eradication? I really hope you know, in these randomized trials, can we see differences, not just at the time of complete remission, but earlier you know, endpoints where maybe we can see an immune microenvironment change or a superior LSC eradication that may speak to truly what is the predominant MOA uh, in our patients. Dr. Clouseau, so this, to pick up on this, I guess we're not using Azoven or Aza alone along with uh, anti-CD47 to help bust the mitochondria open and kill the cell. We're using it to change the immunological milieu in a sense. But still, the cell has to die. So the question is, can a macrophage eat a P53 mutant cell successfully and kill it? What do you think about this? Are you optimistic? In other words, based on what you know about the biology here. <laughs> so based based on the on the first results using uh, the CD47 antibody, yes, we are optimistic. But uh, uh, but uh, I'm young and uh, but I know uh, <laughs> I, I, I know uh, we we were uh, disappointed with uh, a lot of drugs before, uh, especially in uh, TP53 uh, mutated with. Uh, with uh, um, venetoclax, with uh, pevonidistat, uh, with uh, HDAC8, 
like inhibitor also. So yeah, so we're, uh, for me, it seems to be really promising, but we, we need to wait the results of the phase three study, uh, because we know with the Epronet Apopt, uh, unfortunately, uh, um, the phase three was negative. So, but yeah, it seems to be promising. And, and this is a new uh, also mechanism of action. So, so maybe it will be, uh, it will be the, the one. I hope so. I, w I think we can all agree it's good to be young and optimistic. So that's a great thing. Uh, so uh, I think we've had a, a good discussion uh, today about these uh, interesting agents which might be able to change the natural history of P53 and AML and MDS, something that is sorely needed. Uh, I, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion and, and we'll listen to other uh, discussions about this exciting uh, IWAL meeting. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. See you next time.